0: A bit lit, celebrating research and creativity of all kinds.
1: Hello, everybody. I am Dr Ronan Hatful. I am an assistant tutor in the Department of Theatre and Performance Studies at the University of Warwick. And I am delighted this afternoon to be um, joined by two of the most exciting improvisers of Shakespeare in the United Kingdom, Rebecca Macmillan and Tom Wilkinson. Um, Rebecca and Tom, uh, would you uh, care to introduce yourselves?
2: Yes. Uh, Hello. Um, I'm Rebecca Macmillan and um, I'm an improviser. So I've been improvising since 2003 or something like that, a long time ago, um, teaching and performing improv in the UK and beyond with various companies, including impromptu Shakespeare, um, which Uh, basically was founded in 2013 uh, and has uh, been performing since then uh, in the UK at Fringe festivals and Shakespeare festivals and rural touring and various other um, uh, performances. Uh, And we try to create a 50 minute to hour long new improvised Shakespeare play. That's what we do.
0: Exactly, and I'm Tom Wilkinson, not that one, um, I'm another member of the company that's been there since the beginning, currently a guest performer with them but still very much involved, um, and yes, around the edges of that also improvising other things, and as Rebecca does, um, interested in the kind of the academic side of, of, of improvising Shakespeare and what it can tell us about the plays that maybe textual study or, or other forms of investigation can't yet do.
1: Thank you both. Um- so I wanted to ask, with uh, start with kind of a, a pretty broad question about what for uh, each of you um, constitutes a Shakespearean improvisation, and maybe there's also the opportunity here for you to talk about the company's formation um, and how you how and when you got together. But kind of maybe using that as the starting point, what constitutes improvisation for you? Um, so
2: Shakespearean improvisation um, mm. specifically. I suppose you're keeping two plates spinning, one of trying to create good improvisation theatre slash comedy, um, however you want to see it, and in the other hand you're spinning the plate of um, channelling our... um, the 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 language I suppose uh, the the beat or the the feeling the themes um, genre character types um, tropes uh, locations (laughs) props everything um, of that 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 feel like very much they come from directly from Shakespeare or from the kind of cultural text of Shakespeare so Portrayals, famous portrayals uh, or performances um, uh, of Shakespeare plays, and that's going in the other hand. So we're spinning these sort of two plates at once, I suppose. That's that's what it that's what it feels like, anyway. Tom,
0: have you got any more thoughts on that? No, I think I totally agree with Rebecca's kind of maximalism. It's, yeah, it's Shakespeare and the interpretation of Shakespeare and everything stacked on top. I mean, at a minimal level, I guess Shakespearean improvisation can be an actor that's forgetting their lines and they're nubbing to cover till the next line they remember. Um, but yeah, on top of that, we're also doing theme. On top of that, we're also doing plot. And, and uh, yeah, everything that kind of sits around um, Shakespearean performance of the last few hundred years in an hour
1: with mixed results. And how did, how did you get together as a company?
2: Um, uh, so in 2013, um, Rob Wilson, uh, he went to America, to Chicago, and saw um, the Improvised Shakespeare Company and was completely blown away by it, inspired by it, um, and decided that he wanted to create that here in the UK. Meanwhile, um, there are a bunch of uh, people um, thinking about improvising Shakespeare, or actually already kind of doing that um, in different companies um, in the UK. And uh, so, Rob did auditions originally for a fringe run in 2013, and that's when the original core kind of cast um, got together. Um, and then. Um, uh, we did that first Edinburgh, and then um, Rob Wilson. Um, uh, he's he's uh, one of those sort of people who has lots of different fingers and different pies. And so, yeah, like one of his other pies took off in a big way. So he went off to uh, do some other things. And um, but the, the those of us who've been in the show really wanted to keep going, and so we we kept going um, and have been have been performing together ever since went back up to the fringe in 2015 in Edinburgh. And, uh, yes, have been going, have been going ever since and have taken on, uh, two or three, um, two or three times we've had, um, new intake come in and uh, expanded the company and slightly developed our show and, yeah, so that's that's mm. how we got together in our, our little journey, I suppose. Um, have I missed stuff out, Tom? I'm sure I have.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's 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 definitely the, the story I remember. I think it's really interesting that that way that it started. It was it was someone bringing together people that didn't necessarily know mm. and forming a company out of it. It wasn't a group of improvisers who worked together that decided to do a thing. It was people with a, a, a you know a wide range of ages and backgrounds and, and and improvising styles that found themselves in a room together, and I think kind of uh, a strength and a challenge of the group ever since, compared with some of the others that do the same thing is, is that, you know, we're speaking many different languages in addition to Elizabethan English. That um, takes me really nicely to the next question, which was,
1: um, could we, it'd be great to talk about kind of the practice of making up Shakespearean language. Um, and when you succeed, um, how, how does that feel on stage? How does it make you feel as performers?
2: Uh, Tom, you you go first on this one. (laughs) Switch it
0: up. I think it's different from what you might imagine. And I think it's a little bit different from what short form performers might do. So I think people often think about, oh, it's dropping in, um, you know, archaic sort of verb forms or something like that or Mm. or references to kind of literature at the time, you know, so there's lots of bows and these and and that kind of stuff um, and four suits, um, which do still creep in. Um, but I think as people do it more I think it's more that kind of that, that metrical pulse that, that kind of underpins it and becomes the heartbeat of what people are, are saying and, and, and speaking for myself and, and it'd be interesting to hear how Rebecca approaches it like I can sort of find myself seeing the kind of the lines coming to an end and, and realizing I've got you know two syllables to play with and then it's the next line or you know oh, there's a there's a couplet coming up or something like that it's like um it's like doing a Dance Dance Revolution or something like that on a, on a thing. There's things coming up and you've got to hit them. And just like with musical improvisation or something like that, um, because you're concentrating on that, you're not maybe thinking about some of the other things, what's coming out of your mouth or what you're doing. Um, and that, that's where surprises come. And that's the most exciting thing, because once you've come to the end of a soliloquy, say, you said something you weren't ready for, and then everyone else on stage is looking at you going, what? And then you justify that. And then that's how you make your drama.
2: Yeah I'd agree I think like to if that's almost like the micro and um, to sort of like uh, put the focus on the macro the the overall story arc I think is is another thing that like so it's one thing to do an improvised uh, long-form narrative um, and it's another uh, where you don't you have no constrictions, You can kind of go wherever you want, or you're following a story spine, or, or whatever. But um, with uh, with Shakespeare, we don't know uh, we don't know at the beginning sort of which genre this is going to feel like. Um, although there are tendencies that we tend to play towards, I would say, um, uh, and uh, we you know we don't want them each performance, especially in something like a Fringe run. We don't want them, them to feel the same. So we it, it's sort of um, uh there's this um overall kind of hovering um uh, eye that i feel like i have to have for the kind of shape of the piece and the motivations of the characters and when there needs to be a new character come in um because it feels like this is where in shakespeare the person the brother mm-hmm. the long lost brother would turn up after 20 years or what you know whatever it is um uh, yes that that feels quite Quite unique to this particular kind of performance.
1: Are there are there any um, themes uh, or settings or kind of character archetypes or tropes um, that work kind of most effectively for you in 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 impromptu Shakespeare? you Because you were talking there, Rebecca, about um, being aware of that kind of the necessity for this wider structure, um, which I guess is a key part of what you're doing, as well as as the improvisation of the of the kind of linguistic forms um which we which i'd like to talk about about more later but but yeah uh and kind of the mechanics of that but at the moment yeah what what are those kind of what do you find that the company keeps coming back to in terms of those key ingredients granted from a shakespearean toolbox
2: um i think like so there's two answers to that one is that um there are natural tendencies that we have as people from the twenty slash twenty first century, that um, that we uh, need to almost like that that, that we can tend towards that we have to train ourselves out of doing, which is quite interesting. So, for example, kind of um, uh, the the working working class uh, person who ends up being the king, which is not not something that you would find uh, in Shakespeare. Doesn't feel true to Shakespeare. We have to kind of like try and train it. You know, there are tendencies that we have because they exist in our You know, our, our sort of culture at the moment in the literature and the, the the TV and, and whatever of our culture. That if we're not careful, those things will naturally express themselves because we're so immersed in them. And so we have to train ourselves out of doing those. Um, but um, in terms of things that are most successful for us, um, I think they. Um, I mean people really like to see um characters they want to care about characters and they they want to see them um fall in love or overcome adversity or uh or you know have um a moment of crisis and then everybody dies um, so I would say that those are the things that, you know, we get the most response from the audience about. And it's so easy then to play to that. Um, as improvisers, it's a symbiotic relationship with the audience. And we're very much working off the energy that we're getting back from them. Um, and so uh, I would say there are fewer history plays um, in uh, in our repertoire. And when we do a tragedy, um, there will be parodic elements in it. Um, And elements of light. I mean, Shakespeare's tragedies have elements of life, light relief anyway. But I think that we we will veer further towards parody with something that feels like it's more tragic than we would towards um, when it's like something like a a comedy or a a problem play feeling type um, thing. Although having said that, we do really pride ourselves when we have moments of genuine pathos and tenderness that are not undercut by parody so we don't we don't aim for parody if that's fair to say
1: is that kind of to do with i uh, maybe you've asked tom this as well but is that to do with like it kind of the fact that you when you're uh, improvising within a tragic structure because there is a uh, comic imperative or your audience is seeking comedy type i mean i'm thinking having seen you at at the Edinburgh Fringe the audience is going in expecting to laugh um and even even though you are yeah no and having seen seen the show you do lean into those those kind of those those moments of pathos very very kind of beautifully and very kind of in a straightforward manner is that do you think this the fact that the tragedy brings out parody in you as a company more is maybe to do with the kind of the The kind of the sort of the free song that you get from that kind of inverting tragedy
0: within a comic context,
2: probably. (laughs) Tom,
0: I think you're right. Yes, there is probably now, and there wasn't when we started, but there is more now. A kind of almost a trained improv audience, people who kind of know what they're there for. They're there often to have a good time. They've seen other shows like it, and you know our marketing and everything else sort of plays up the fact that it, it, it is a good time and it, and it is most of the time so yeah i think there's definitely that there's also a very human impulse to go with a laugh if you hear one rather than maybe to to hang on and say this audience will have a bigger payoff with dramatic catharsis in 30 minutes i don't know it's tough tough sometimes to make that um so um the what, what often happens rather maybe than, than than the you know a tragic end or, or a tragic arc is yeah exactly there's those heart moments that Always reference kind of kill Claudio in much to do about nothing, you know. Massive stuff has happened. Two people declare they love for each other, one person says, Great, you love me, kill your best friend. And <laughs> um and the audience go, Ooh. <laughs> and that's kind of that's often the that's the depth that that that, that it sometimes sounds, rather than maybe ending very bleakly, which which is which is a tough thing given the people that we're playing to.
1: You're alluding there to this kind of ecosystem of uh, improv uh, performance that has really kind of, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, going to the fringe, it's now now a kind of a really established form. And I think it's a kind of, it's a, you know, you could imagine, I certainly think I've done this myself, maybe not consciously, but having a day where you block out, right, I'm going to have a day of improv, I'm going to have a day of stand up, I'm going to have a day of of, uh, sketch comedy. Um so I know that both of you are, are involved in other forms of improvisation as well. So I, I wanted to ask how you um how you think the work that you do in impromptu shakespeare um differs from the other forms of improv that uh, you know that revolve around kind of other well known writers and genres.
2: Well um Yes, so I'm involved with a few different shows. One's an Improvised Dickens show, um, called Steamed, the Improvised Dickens novel, um and uh uh Tom um more than more than me, but um I'm also uh have been in um the improvised the eventually the improvised Sherlock Holmes. Um and so, and I'm also in the Maydays. Um, do a happily never after, which is kind of like a dark gothic um, fairy tale, inspired by kind of the early works of Tim Burton, Henry Selick, and stuff like that. So, um, and they're all they've all got their own sort of um, they've all got their own distinct feel. Um, I think Impromptu is the is the most different one. It's the, the for me anyway perhaps Tom will disagree, but is the outlier because it's so much further away from how we currently speak and potentially think and um, dress and... and yes yeah, so um you know they say the the past is a foreign place that's probably probably misquoting somebody um and so the further past you get the more the more foreign it is and the more things that we've got to think about um uh, in terms of um nailing it in terms of getting it right and ticking enough of the boxes that we feel like we're honoring the original works of shakespeare as well as putting on a good show
0: mm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting that I think quite a lot of genre shows um, start resembling modern improv more than they do the genres that they represent, um, <laughs> almost because of this kind of tidal pull of audience expectations. And it is nice that there is that a bit more of an anchor in the case of Shakespeare, maybe, um, in that it's driving you to kind of bigger wants and, and 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 bolder choices um, than maybe you know. Something that's maybe a little bit more refined, you know, it's a, it's a it's a regency drawing room or you know something like that. So so I think there's um yeah there's there's a difference there.
1: It's interesting what you're saying. Uh, what we are both saying in terms of like this honouring kind of impulse. I mean, I, I don't think it's an impulse. It's just, it's a it's a, it, again you 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 are, I guess a- a affected deeply by what your audiences want. Um, and it's interesting that you, yeah, you're interest, You're talking about the the kind of the, the need or the wish to honor Shakespeare, um, and parody happens, but it doesn't. It's not it's not your intention. And and do you think that? I mean, maybe you'd, yeah. I'd just be interested to kind of that, that difference that relationship between homage and parody that exists between sorry exists within your shows. Like, is that is that a kind of a symbiotic? Um, relationship or do those two things kind of clash
0: with each other I think they probably do clash in a way I think I think I think this the show works best when it's coming out of a place of love for the original material and I think um, maybe on the more parodic side of things it's 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 dropping a line here and there to show that you know what's going on and you could do something more but it's it feels sometimes like you're cheating a little bit whereas if, if you're um, you know you're doing something that maybe is for the fans that they spot that, that's that's in there or, or you' as, as Rebecca says you're working at a deeper level about the, the structure and, and, and the arts mm. that's going on and the wants that are, that are so alien from our own um then you, you're getting something that's a lot more satisfying um at the end including for the crowd by the way because we've said oh you know they they're there for a laugh you know they have gone to a show with Shakespeare in the title and there is um, there's a solid minority within the crowd that that, that will be a little bit disappointed if If there's not something there that's a cousin to the sorts of shows that they they otherwise go to see,
2: I would say within the cast, I I don't mean as in like individual by individual, but like within any cast of the show, there's a, we feel a sort of a, There's almost like a balancing or self-regulation effect that if someone goes and does some sort of scene where either they accidentally or accidentally on purpose drop some anachronism, you know, comedic comedically, or they um yes, use some language that feels like it, you know, that is definitely in parody or 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 whatever rather than than in homage. Then you might find that the next scene, someone comes out and just you know bashes out some amazing, beautiful soliloquy that talks about I don't know the humors of the body or the you <laughs> know uh, chain of being or uh, that that sort of feels like it tips the balance the other way. Um, I think I think there's definitely that effect within the within any cast of, of the show that might be put together we like sometimes we sort of feel like we've got to have a, an eye on it as a team. Um yeah. I, would I, say. I think that team sorry.
0: No, go for it. No, I think that team dynamic is really interesting because yeah, just as you would have had in Shakespeare's day, there were, you know, aspirant writers and there were clowns and, you know, you yeah. have you have something deep meaningful and then someone comes in and, you know, the audience exactly, yeah. at them and they're just, you know, they're riffing and then you move on. It's the same with the different backgrounds that people in you bring to the the, uh, the shows and as, as Rebecca says the way that people kind of slot into those roles if different personalities are missing
1: you know? yeah that's really interesting to hear you yeah, that you've got people that are would you say you kind of use you get actors who are more inclined to uh, occasionally drop kind of pop culture references or modern anachronisms and then there are there are actors who will as you say Rebecca kind of pull it back into um a place yeah I guess a place of more kind of direct homage um and is is it quite important that you have that mix in your company
2: I think I think all of us can do all of those things like I know I myself just you know I can only really speak for myself um that I've been guilty of the most heinous (laughs) I, I just can't resist dropping like quoting Lady Gaga lyrics or something in a show (laughs) or like uh, making some big old joke about, you know, because we're performing in Stroud in the nearest town, you know, like taking the mick out of some local town. But then that does feel like it might work within Shakespeare. But you know what I mean? So it's doing stuff that feels like it's kind of really pushing at the edges. And then I'll also be the person in another show who goes, oh my goodness, like that was a really, really, a a scene, you know, just, just happened that felt like it, it, you know, we need to really get our Shakespeare on in the next thing. (laughs) And then I'll, you know, I'll try and come on with some, uh, with something that's, that's really poetic or come in and be really strict about my own or whatever whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I know that I can certainly do both. And I think that I think everyone in the company, everyone in the company can. Um, And I think we vary it up a little bit as well, depending on our, depending on our, our audience.
1: Yeah, I'd hear more about that.
2: Hmm. Um. So, yes, yeah, sometimes you'll get. It depends which fringe venue you're in. Even like you'll get slightly different crowds. Um, whereas you know we might do a Shakespeare festival, and that that will bring in more um, people who have a generally have a deeper background knowledge perhaps of of Shakespeare um uh or we might do sort of rural touring and then maybe looking for even something slightly different again and we're not always changing deliberately going oh you know let's go into this show you know (laughs) from the off or like let's keep it like this or let's do that it's just again it's about this kind of um it's very difficult to ignore audience as an improviser it's almost like they are part of the uh, part of the performance in such a sort of integral way um because it is instant theatre and it's happening in the moment and you know just sharing the same oxygen in the same room means that they have an effect on it basically um yeah Tom have you got any more thoughts on that
0: no, but again, just to make a make just to stretch a comparison. I mean that that tonal breadth again just exists in the source material, right? I mean, the, the show forms a different shape. If you're indoors lit by candles with someone rich sat on the stage with you, as again, you're in an outdoor place, there's thousands of you and there's bare pit, you know, bare stuff going on next door. So um yeah, exactly. And any show, including written ones, will will mould themselves to the to where they're placed and mm. an improved show more than most
2: playing for gods and the groundlings right yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. I'm gonna throw a purple question out there um uh, which is like what's the most out there you know just an example of a really out there improvised improvised play that you've performed um
2: what as impromptu you mean yeah yeah um, I can I can think of it wasn't out there in terms of I mean it depends what you mean by out there <laughs> what well, we did some rural touring um a few years back and um we went to so it was after the novichok incident we went to a small uh village near very near to salisbury which is where that happened Mm. um so um just for anyone um there was a, a kind of international diplomatic incident where um there was a, a nerve agent poisoning by on the door handle of someone who, um, yes, had had previous uh, work for a, a foreign state and, um, uh, and and other people had been poisoned by it. And um, yes, it was a, a big hoo-ha. Anyway, so we went to this um, village and it was about it was within a year of it happening, I think or just over a year. And we asked for, so at the beginning of our show, the audience um, throw ping pong balls with like tropes and sort of Shakespearean ingredients really, so locations, uh, characters, um, things that things that might happen, props, all that kind of thing. Um, into um, we do a sort of silly uh, Tudor song and dance number while um, they they chuck these um, balls into the breeches, um, which are held open of one of the people on stage, and then we pick balls out of that, and that's how we kind of get the subject matter for the show. Um, and Um, is I suppose to prove that we're improvising, but also to let the audience feel like they're having an engagement. Mm -hmm. And what we used to do when we did rural touring was then ask them follow-up questions. So we got, um, I think it was murder was one of the balls that came out. And we said, okay, so how would, if you're gonna murder someone, how would you murder them? And they said, we would poison them by painting poison onto a door knocker. And all of us on stage went really quiet and we were like, okay. Are, are you really sure you want them? Like, there weren't any other hands going up. We were like, are like, you really sure you really want to see this? Bearing in mind, this has been really traumatic for the area. You know, the whole town had lost lots and lots of money, and businesses have been shut and stuff because of this. Um, and the cleanup operation was really, really extraordinary. And so they really wanted to see it. And um, with their consent, we then did this show. That in, it wasn't retelling that story. It was different kinds of characters and there was different motivation for the killing and all the rest of it. But it did have somebody being poisoned by a door knocker, By a poisoned doorknocker. And they absolutely loved it. And then afterwards, just chatting to some of them, they were like, thank you so much uh, that we really needed this. Wow. Um, so I suppose that's, in a way, quite out there. That's Definitely. an example. Tom, have you got any... examples
0: that's way better i mean the the things that come to mind are are ones where it kind of goes off the rails slightly and you're and and yeah you're you're very
1: anachronistic anachronist i'd be interested to hear like one of those i just just in terms of kind of i remember one
2: tom where you were dressed you got dressed up as an ant someone made you into an animal um but, but like it was in a fringe and like yeah the ones where we get like which is yeah, the ones where we get talking animals, its always <laughs> which are very few and far between, but those feel a bit like we're going to definitely get notes about this after okay. the show. Okay. Yeah, we'll uh, an animal you, you, get two,
0: you get two free passes, right? There's the kind of, well, it's a bit like some late plays, you know, there's a statue comes to uh, life. <laughs> yeah. Then, well, it's a god. Or um, oh, we're also like filtering kind of the performances to Shakespeare. So this is just, you know, this is some... Berlin Directors Theatre job with uh and they're all animals oh right
1: like King Lear with sheep or that kind of thing that. that did happen yeah. that's real um
0: real
2: oh
1: yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that happened that was great um yeah what animal did you what, what did you play Tom or is there too many to list
2: I think you were a horse but I or a donkey but I mean that actually in itself like isn't un Shakespearean, but it wasn't just okay. your head, it was the whole of you.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. So you know, first year drama students, if you're if you're being made to turn into animals or two things, there is there's scope to use that.
1: Definitely. Um yeah, you make me think there, because you talked about the late plays and a god coming down. Is that I mean, is there anything as as out, out there to use my own my own term, out there as um as as uh, Saturn descending in symboly. I mean, like with no no kind of preamble really. That's yeah. Oh go on, sorry.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say we've definitely had similar like Deus Ex Machina, like the god coming in at the end kind yeah. of um things happen, or somebody come back to life when we thought they were dead, or um I don't know if we've had a statue have, I don't know if we've had a statue coming to life, but we've had similar kind of um Kind of kind of things um happen for sure, for sure, definitely. And, um, and a sort of no, also I remember
1: that it's not Saturn that descends in Symbeline; it's Jupiter. It, it's it's Jupiter.
0: Yeah. Just wanted to correct correct myself. It's, it's Jupiter. We're among friends. <laughs> uh, I can't remember much of that. I think I probably misquoted that. But I think it's interesting. There's a kind of like there's a, like a writer's handbook sense that some of those endings are a cheat you know you have yeah. given them nothing and then here's a the thing out of left field to solve it all up but actually i think you can somehow because you've got access to the kind of emotional tone of the room you can kind of emotionally earn that and sometimes when somebody's you know that character that you will later bring back to life you know that yet dies and the audience goes oh. and you can feel the kind of the slight deflation there um you know you you can still be kind of honoring expectations and doing something that feels satisfying to people, even though if you were then to plot it out like a kind of Robert McKee screenwriting <laughs> diagram, it would it would feel like a cheat. So
2: I can think of one I can think of an example. Yeah. um we did the very last show that we did before the pandemic was um in Nottingham. Uh, and I'm going to get the na- the theatre name wrong, but it's in the it was in the the sort of uh, studio space of the big sort of um, uh, fancy theatre in the middle of Nottingham, and um, they have a glass elevator that goes up from the foyer yeah. up to the space where we were in, and we literally came into the space, and we were like, can we use the can we use this glass lift? And they said, uh, yeah, I guess so. Wow. And at one point, somebody got, um, killed. Um, and so their character was kind of off and they came back as a god, as Dionysus. And they came up via the lift, which then obviously like was glowing. And they came up and it's like they'd had this transformation into this god and then came out and sort of laid down the law about what was going to happen. Wow. So there we go. That was, that was pretty out there. But, um, but definitely felt like in keeping, but also that character felt really unfair when they died. So in a way, mm. the fact that they came, that they had been in a kind of incarnation of Dionysus is quite a good, quite nice, yeah. Are
1: there, are there play structures uh, for, you, for your audience's benefit um, where you feel you, you come back to them again and again? I know that because you're talking about kind of throwing the balls out into the audience, Rebecca, I'm just, you know, mentioning Cymbeline, for instance, and and some of the late romances. Do you find that you do come back to the kind of the more well, you know, the more well-known, more frequently performed templates for, you know, within Shakespeare like Macbeth and Romeo and Juliet and um, the Night's Dream?
2: I would, I wouldn't have said. I would say it's more genre that we come back to than than a template. Okay. So, yes, we will. There'll often be. Um, you know that feeling of like um, I would say romance is quite a good a good one because um, some something that like ultimately is likely to have a semi happy ending but uh, along the way people can get killed, <laughs> people can get killed off. I would say would probably be our most classic. Um, mm. Yes, what we end up with at the end. If we had to pin it within one you know one of the sort of genres of of Shakespeare um but we don't have any structures that we work with so that it's all the all these sort of narratives are improvised completely as we're going along
0: yeah Mm. yeah I'd agree and in fact some of the devices that we use that we find ourselves falling back on aren't because we've said (laughs) but like you know mistaken identity doubling and multiple you know personas and, and that kind of stuff happens sometimes just because people made a mistake about who they thought they were talking to and then you've got <laughs> to, to work out where that happened which is what fun, people enjoy
1: what that's that there, I want to look now again at kind of the kind of the application of, of what you do and what and I know that you've been running workshops throughout lockdown and obviously you ran workshops before that um, so, so yeah. So, uh, and, uh, what are the best? What do you find that to be the best methods of uh, best teaching methods of kind of instructing and initiating performers um, to improvise Shakespeare? Um, and I think, especially for the for our viewers, um, iambic pentameter, which I think is kind of seen as. In this kind of this this genre of shakespearean improvisation because as you pointed out right at the start of our conversation you are not the only ones that do this that kind of feels like the the holy grail it the the audiences come along and they witness a, a company you know improvising in iambic pentameter and other kind of shakespearean verse forms um so yeah what are your kind of key teaching methods um Well,
2: um, I would say that I've got two sort of um, things I try and keep in mind when I'm uh, teaching Um, impromptu teach, uh, yeah, workshops. And um, there's a jam that we've been doing during lockdown um, and courses as well. Um, uh, So when I myself am, am teaching improvising Shakespeare, I think it's really important to go back to the source so to like you take examples from the actual works um without getting bogged down in them um but just so just you know quick references here and there but making sure you do go back to that so it feels like you're doing something that is um just I don't know it kind of gives it a, um, a veracity somehow if that's a word like a it yeah. feels like yeah you're doing something for real not just from your imagined sense of Shakespeare um, and then um the second thing that I like to kind of really try to remind myself is to make it fun, basically, especially when you're teaching um, rather than getting people to perform. But even so, um, it's about coming up with um, playful, even if it's just doing scenes, playful um, sort of setups for those scenes or if it's doing, if it's exercising muscles, then coming up with games um, that can exercise those muscles. That means it it feels like it's fun, not work. Mm. If, yeah, if that makes sense. Um, but then also, um, just to just to add into what you said at the end in terms of iambic pentameter. So we definitely work our I- iambic pentameter muscles in rehearsal. Um, however, I think as a company we don't um, we don't count syllables on stage. So hopefully by working those muscles, it's muscle memory. And it should feel like it's. It sounds like Shakespeare's got that lilt, but uh, we took the artistic decision to not um, restrict ourselves. But we wanted our minds to be on like the um, the character work and the and the poetic nature of the language in terms of the the actual words, um, rather than giving ourselves a constraint that we we felt for us as a company would. Um, would mean that we're doing it. We would be doing a different, a different thing, um, and uh, something that wasn't maybe our strong suit as a as a collective. Um, that we have other strengths that we wanted to highlight more. So if you watch a show, it will hopefully feel like it's iambic pentameter for sure. But if you sat there and counted syllables, like you'd be like, here. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> Not that all of Shakespeare's in iambic pentameter anyway, of yeah. course. But like, yeah.
1: And if you're doing your job as actors and immersing your audience in the world that you've created, then they're not going to be counting on, they're not going to be counting everything. Well, I feel
2: a bit sorry for anyone that sat there actually, like, watching our show but counting syllables, quite honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I would hope that they would, yeah, watch the show. <laughs> but, yeah, Tom, have you got you, thoughts Tom? on yeah, this? Well, and yeah, help? I mean,
0: if, if, they're, yeah, if they're syllable counters, they'd have a rough time at Hamlet or something. You know, to be honest, <laughs> exactly. question... And um, yeah, I think like as the plays go on, and 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 you know, like this the sort of the sense kind of form more strangely across all of that structure. Even the stuff that is in verse, which isn't all of the plays, is is harder to sort of recognise as such. And it's much more in the rhythm of thought, rather than you know, like a Philip Marlowe play, which is a bit more like a sort of schoolyard exercise. Um, so yeah, as as Rebecca says, you learn the, you learn the scales, and then you you do jazz. Um, uh, although, yeah, I think I think starting with them is sometimes quite helpful just to get that kind of heartbeat down and, and to kind of demystify it a bit and show that it's not uh, it's not just that it's it's possible, but actually it's helpful because it it, it takes your mind off uh, mm-hmm. you know, worrying about where where the next sort of forty minutes of your, of your play will be. Um, and I think, yeah, when, when Rebecca mentioned fun, I think that was really important. Like, I think. Um, I don't know. It's so it's something like reminding people that they're improvising, kind of around around the plays, rather than trying to kind of to, to entirely recreate them. And then the kind of license that that gives people. Um, you're kind of it's it's like the difference between stage fighting and jujitsu or something like that. Like it's mm. it's, it's you kind of you're creating an effect rather than paying attention to the actual inner workings of the thing. Mm. So
1: I think. Um... Kind of yeah, I, I mentioned uh, lockdown and the fact that you've been running workshops and jams, um, which I can attest, uh, having attended a couple of the jams, are brilliant and really, really, really fun and and kind of really get your brain working um and the fact that you've used objects for instance as a means uh, to kind of make it feel quite personal and relatable as this kind of hook into into improv- starting to learn how to improvise shakespeare i think is really helpful so uh, speaking to that more widely i just wanted to ask how you have coped as a company during the pandemic um and more specifically whether you think improvisation Works uh, kind of online and with and or with social distancing.
2: Tom, um, do you want to go first on this one? I do. Well, I'm going to be. So I think impromptu.
0: I've been less involved with impromptu during the during lockdown. So I've I've not been involved in those workshops and jams and things like that. I've watched with awe and admiration how they've kept the company together, done interesting things, thought about how it would work, all the rest of that. Um, I think everyone all improvisers would probably say that um, we're not there yet in creating, kind of recreating a, a stage experience online. You have to do something radically different. And it feels like there's lots of experiments going on, but even now after more than a year, you know, they're still it's still kind of early days. So so I think um, we can never have what, what it feels like on stage online, um, which is not to say it shouldn't be done, but it means it has to be sort of reinvented and i think in you've been a company doing really interesting things like that but yeah it does it does feel different and and the the slight kind of the, the difference of etiquette in how you interact with one another on the screen um yeah, is is a bit of a limitation mm. but in property, I've done i've done really fantastic stuff and um i think it's unlike some other companies that i've in, interacted with a little bit i think they're, they're actually going to come back into the world i think the next show is at the end of july um in in really good shape and, and and doing interesting things
1: yeah it's much about
0: kind of i guess
1: retaining your followers and your your audience um and yeah that seems to maybe rebecca can speak about this but that seems to be something that through those those various initiatives that you've you've done that and maybe as you're saying kind of alluding to there, tom have expanded your your reach
2: i think yeah i mean i think more people know about us now, a wider range of people know about us now. Since the pandemic, like because of you know launching some online teaching, um, and also uh, through some of the other stuff that people in the company have been doing online and then people look at what they're doing and they're like oh they also do this impromptu Shakespeare thing that's interesting and then they go and look at that I think you know our reach has changed um and been different um I I am really happy to say that I think that impromptu Shakespeare are gonna are gonna come back or are back you know there's no you know there isn't a question of whether they're gonna come back or not whereas with so many other performance companies that I'm aware of and some that I'm in myself like they've been really sort of um a really difficult time, not just because we're not performing, but because we're not meeting up. Um, and in Prompt, you have been regularly rehearsing online um, and doing things and getting training from outside and also sort of like, yeah, thinking about um, how we present ourselves and uh, looking forward to recruitment and doing some diversity training for that and that sort of thing. So like there's definitely been sort of, if it hasn't felt like an entirely passive or uh, um, time, mm. um, so uh yeah that's that's great that the you know those who've been organizing things in the company have um, made those things happen um and I would say that um yeah I'm just excited about the idea of getting back together again I think it's a real mixed bag for some people I really enjoy teaching online um I think it has some benefits over teaching in real life um and certainly from the kind of accessibility point of view uh both in terms of where i live but also for not everybody can come to our in-person classes or um so that's great actually um uh in terms of performing online i think there is so much scope but needs to be thought of as its own medium and we need to play with the strengths of the medium and not think about it in terms of the uh, of what we're used to in a real life situation. So looking more to kind of like uh, what people have been doing with video games and VR and that kind of thing. You know, looking more at that angle of things rather than um, rather than thinking about how do we translate our thing that's normally on this fringe in a fringe show onto onto it. And, and to be fair. It, they may never see the light of uh, of an audience but we have um a couple of people have pioneered things within um impromptu rehearsals that have been kind of could be performed uh one involving sock puppets <laughs> and the other uh, a kind of um jacobean uh dra- drama sort of type thing like so much so i'm amping up the kind of violence and the and using the camera to sort of shock and horror effect, and uh yeah sort of all sex and violence type thing mm. and those may just have been things that stay in in the rehearsal room who knows where they'll go going forward as projects but um they at least were really interesting and kept us kept it fresh and kept yeah. us kept our brains keen for more and kept us getting together
1: well i, I think I think it's that I think I think having performed done a bit of kind of the, quite a bit of Shakespearean performance online myself and uh, and kind of attended your workshops and watched a lot of the, the show must go online, I think you what you, you say the word fresh there Rebecca, I think improvisation if if you know if post pandemic there is uh, an extent to which um, elements of, of online performance continue and flourish. Um, and are kind of offered as alternatives um with you know with kind of access restricted in terms of you know continued um, lockdown restrictions internationally who knows um I think that improv and the sense of the sense of spontaneity, which is such a a a, a kind of a, a real difficulty with anything online, the sense of kind of not being aware of the little box that you're within on the screen and kind of coming. Coming out of the moment and realizing that you're staring at a computer screen and not physically with those people. Having uh, as a performer, I've always found that the the process of improvisation is really the kind of the the, the major nugget of of uh, of inspiration to get out of that feeling. And yeah, and you you see that I think in 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 companies that have come out of. Out of uh, lockdown, Shakespeare that aren't, aren't aren't don't market themselves as improvisers of Shakespeare like the show must go online um, mm. kind of uh, community. But but there's certainly that the kind of the sort of DIY things they do in their uh, the, in their performances and the sense of kind of anything could happen at any moment. Um, and yeah, that I've seen you, you you do in the in the jams as well. I think I think that's really important, and I think is something that. That lots of theatre companies of all of all kind of profiles could really learn a lot from. Um, um, So finally, for a bit lit, I want to ask you both um, what the word literature means to you. Um, Who wants to go first?
2: I don't mind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I was thinking about this a little bit and I was like Uh, a little bit a little bit and then I thought well so to me if you say the word literature it means two really different things but I think it's kind of pertinent so it means both you know for me um the written words but in the sense of this uh often using sort of quite grand establishment uh kind of um works of great merit uh literature right (laughs) that Shakespeare would sort of uh, being a playwright but that he would fit um within but then it also means literature like oh have you got any literature meaning like (laughs) have you got a leaflet (laughs) or you know or a a little (laughs) pamphlet or something like the most like literal form of the the written word about something and so because it's kind of like in my brain lodged as this kind of like high and low and because improv is like this kind of outsider art form I mean I've not been trained as an actor um or anything like that I came into this um in my 20s and I've changed I've done loads of training as an improviser but it definitely it definitely feels like outsider theatre and um and as a result it's you know it feels in a way that but that's quite relevant really then that, if, that, that literature in my brain is lodged very much as both like the high and and also the low. Maybe like somehow with an impromptu Shakespeare I managed to combine, combine those two, <laughs> two things. The most accessible and the most uh, lofty in one thing. Um, Tom?
0: Well, I think Rebecca's done a great job of, of, of finding proper place in that because I struggled, you know, I, I probably, you know, inherited this idea of it being kind of, the best thoughts in writing kind of thing and and then I think um, uh obviously you know we've 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 moved on to a kind of an oral literature and and we've we've thought about that word best, you know, best for the moment, best in response to something else and and and, and so on. Um, uh so yeah where is improv space? I kind of imagine it um you know literature as being a sort of you know the kind of classic campfire conversation and you know some people are you know holding forth to the assembled company and some people yeah. think great thoughts about what's being said and then there's always going to be an outer ring of people kind of gossiping a bit and telling the silly jokes and all that kind of stuff and I and I and I think that has real value and I think that has that tells you much more about a moment maybe than, than some of the more serious stuff and and the kind of yeah talk about talk still counts and you know, it's strange to talk about great conversation as literature, that feels like it's a different category, totally, but like, think back to an 18th century salon and a great talker is maybe valued more than a writer would be. Mm. Um, we just only have written records of it and it gets absorbed back into into, into the written word. Um So yeah, there, there should be a place for kind of oral snark and chat and stuffy makeup on, on the spot. And, brilliant. <laughs> and improv is, is, is there somewhere, but it is, it's a sort of, it's a Uh, A little bit removed from, from, yeah, the best thoughts in words, but the best meaning lots
1: of things. Here's to snark.
2: Um,
1: Snark. I mean, the the quip is the is the is is the kind of you know the the centerpiece of so many franchises now. Really, you know. So I think I I think that's you know of things like Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The quip the quipster is king. Um, you know. Uh, so no, I think that's I think that's a great note to end on. um Thank you so much, Rebecca and Tom, um, and I will I will see you both soon.
2: Can we uh can we just uh, let people know how to find us? Please, Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, go for <laughs> so it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, been asked, oh. we've been asked to get in a little uh, social yeah. media plug. So yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry, if no, you, you want to find Impromptu
2: Shakespeare, I uh, like basically Google Impromptu Shakespeare, and you'll find our website, which is in dot um, But we've also got. Uh, uh, at impromptu shakes and on most of the social media platforms that you might choose to uh to peruse at impromptu shakes is where you'll find us i'll make thanks, sure you Raiden. can
1: find all the details below in the description okay <laughs> thanks very much both of you see you soon you
2: oh soon. thank you bye